1: This is the Cubs related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan, and we are coming to you tonight on Thursday, June 17th, 2021. And the Cubs salvage the finale of a four game set with the New York Mets. They drop the first three. Uh, but as we kind of laid the groundwork for, there was not a total collapse here in New York. And if the scores, as I am speaking to you at about 9.45 Central Time in Chicago, hold up across the league, the Cubs will head back to Wrigley and leave New York in sole possession of first place. So Brendan, you would have liked to split. Um, I mean, you would have liked to have won the series, but you would have taken a split and been pretty happy with that. Um, but winning this last one getting back to Wrigley Field and really in terms of your standing being no worse for wear it's it's a win we talked about them just kind of like getting through stretches like this and that's pretty much what this is
0: yeah that's what you have to take i mean this june could very well end up being the most difficult month for the Cubs, the West Coast road trips—it's gonna be—it's gonna be difficult to get through this alive. But they've been doing it, and that's what you can hope for: to get healthy, go through July, get on a hot stretch, and really, Corey, this is like the positive luck that that we talked about before the season. The Cubs kind of needed in order for them to be competitive, and right now, look—they're nine games above 500. They're very well could be in first place by the time we finish recording this episode and they just got through one of the more difficult two week stretches that we could see all
1: season so yes this is a win so we'll we'll get more into that but it it did kind of go along with and, and you're you know you sort of have seen this I know Sahadev Sharma has been tweeting a lot from the athletic about this he wrote uh, some nice articles about this Jim Deshays on the broadcast was talking about it I talked about it and it was really just laying the groundwork for this it wasn't meant to be uh, kind of like preemptively pessimistic or negative or making excuses or anything it's it's just one of those points in the schedule especially with where this roster is at health-wise where it's just good to acknowledge this is a tough stretch if it doesn't go perfectly that's okay that's totally okay baseball
0: right yeah that's that's the thing and this happens for every team like remember when the cubs were playing the dodgers was that like you know seven eight weeks ago they were going through a tough stretch and san diego likewise was going through a tough stretch every team goes through these stretches and not to compare this to 2016 but remember that uh, stretch right before the all-star parade it was as if the cubs could not get a win so this this does happen and it's happening now in june but somehow Corey. They're nine games above 500 in first place, winning games, in part because you have Patrick Wisdom stepping up and Sergio Alcantara stepping up and the bullpen continuing to look good. And that's the positive like variance that this team needed to be in this position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And a a small note before I get into this recap, but uh, the audio archives of our podcasts have been lost over the years because we switched hosts. And at this point, we're on season five or whatever crazy number yeah. it is. Uh, but our claim to fame, Brendan, I think would be in that stretch. <laughs> that 2016, in stretch that yeah. 2016 stretch. In that 2016 stretch, we said verbatim, don't worry about this. They're really good. These, you know, 15 games or whatever don't outweigh the first 70. They'll probably win the World Series and no one will care about this stretch. We were I so, think I
0: can find that. That's you gotta be should somewhere. because it makes us sound
1: really smart. Um, I know,
0: occasionally, yeah. Yeah,
1: in, in hindsight, we really nailed that, about not freaking out about that. But uh, yeah. anyway, enough patting uh, ourselves on the back here. Let's get into this with, as usual, three Mets wins. I'm not going to spend uh, too much time uh, belaboring these details, but good to, especially in four game series, just remind us all of what happened here. On Monday, it was a 5-2 to two Mets win. Jake Arrieta, uh not great in this one, another outing where the walks outweighed the strikeouts he does go five on 77 pitches uh, four hits four earned runs four walks and I I mentioned the three strikeouts he does give up a home run season ERA sitting at 5.14 that's his seventh loss of the year the Cubs getting their runs in this one. They trailed this game 5 to nothing in the seventh. They made a little bit of noise. Anthony Rizzo, his eighth home run of the year, and Patrick Wisdom, his ninth of the year, but that would be all that she wrote for that one. Uh, the Cubs do very little against Mets starter Peterson. Six innings, one hit, No earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts, so not a great effort there from the Cubs offense. On Tuesday, it was a three-to-two Mets win. This one was tied through three innings, but the Mets get the last one across the plate. Alec Mills getting back out there for a start. He was, uh, you know, perfectly fine in this one. Four and a third on fifty-seven pitches, five hits, three earned, two walks, and six strikeouts. And you know, remember, of course, he had been uh, in the Cubs bullpen and then hurt, and you know, working his way back. So all things considered, this was a nice showing from him doing all that he could in, uh, you know, sort of a, a not great spot to be thrown into. The Cubs got their runs in this one. Javi Baez, his 15th home run of the season. That would not be the only two-run home run he would hit here in this series. A little uh, teaser for the end of the, the recap there. Uh, that made it two to nothing in the third, but Pete Alonzo tied things up in the bottom half of that frame. And then Pete Alonzo would hit the game-winning sack fly in the bottom of the fifth. And that was it. Hit. The Cubs do little against Taiwan Walker. Uh, what they did do a lot of, though, was strike out 12 times against Walker, who picks up his sixth win, his ERA down to 2.12. Seven innings, five hits, two earned there for Walker. I I read some of these Mets numbers uh more so than I do in other series to just sort of remind you: this is one of the best pitching staffs in the league. And the last three guys that the Cubs faced here in Walker. DeGrom, even if it was only for a few innings. And Stroman, really good on the season. So not, not a lot of shame in, in the offense, not doing too much damage here in this one. But 3-2 to two again, the final on Tuesday on wednesday it was a six to three mets win this game was uh kind of a mess brendan uh robert stock called up in this one i would say this was uh one of at least from our my perspective and i think yours brendan uh a rare one where a lot of people were not super thrilled with david ross and we might get into that in a little bit but i i didn't think he handled this one great um yeah, I, and a lot of people did not, So, and I didn't love his answers after the game, but we'll we'll touch on this in, in a minute, maybe. Uh, four innings, four hits, five earned, six walks, and three strikeouts for Stock. It, it was unfortunate because Stock had not really been walking guys in the minors, uh, so this was a bit of a change. I don't know if it was jitters. I mean, I, I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I don't want to speculate on that. Um, But he had kept it to a 3-1 game through three. The issue that a lot of us had was stock going out for that fourth inning. The velo was down, and the inning didn't start well. A lot of non-competitive pitches, and then it ended up being 5-1. So the game got a little further out of reach just odd from David Ross but again, you know, remember, Stock is not a starting pitcher. He is a reliever who had been stretched out sort of just out of necessity but was really only going 3 or 4 innings. I think he had not uh I think Brian Smith of Bleacher Nation had pointed out that he hadn't thrown more than 70 pitches in a single outing or game in quite a long time. Uh so not a starting pitcher and just A very weird handling of this one but uh that put the cubs in a bit of a hole obviously uh the cubs did get their runs anthony rizzo's ninth home run of the season made it three to one in the top of the fourth after the mets had put six on the board in the top of the ninth rafael ortega hit his second of the year uh, to make it 6-3, to three, but that was all that the Cubs would do. The Cubs uh, looked to be in a lot of trouble against Jacob deGrom uh, through three innings. He had eight strikeouts. It was a, a pretty masterful performance through the first uh, nine batters of the game. Uh, DeGrom leaves with an injury, though, and unfortunately that didn't really uh, do much for the Cubs' offense to get things closer. So that was Wednesday's game and then on Thursday the finale uh, a pretty simple one Javi Baez homered I believe on the fifth pitch of the game from Marcus Stroman uh Chris Bryant had back in the lineup after he exited on Tuesday uh hit in the hand he singled uh very hard on the first pitch that he saw in this game and then Javi deposited a two-run home run into the home run apple at City Field and that was it. Kyle Hendricks took us the rest of the way. He picks up his ninth win of the year, six innings, two hits, no earned runs, two walks, and seven strikeouts, that ERA down to 4.13, so trending in the right direction there. 92 pitches for Hendricks, probably could have gone another, but David Ross decides to deploy his elite back end of the bullpen. Tonight, it was Andrew Chafin on his birthday, one inning of clean work with a strikeout. Ryan Tepera, the MVP vote-getter, his 14th hold of the year same as chafin one inning clean one strikeout and craig kimbrell picks up his 19th save of the year one inning clean with two strikeouts that era for craig down to 0.64 another masterful outing for the cubs closer so that was it a pretty simple one the cubs get to marcus stroman early uh stroman and exits this game with a 2.35 era but the cubs hang his fifth loss of the season all on that Javi Baez home run, who now has 16. So that was the series, Brendan. And I, I think the the place to start since, since we brought it up, let's just talk about that that stock situation because I, I think it it illustrates. So my my biggest issue with this and and where I, why I even want to bring it up is because it was just such an odd spot for David Ross to choose to do this. Uh, you know, there's. Some folks talking like, well, maybe this is kind of a signal to the front office, like, hey, I need some starting pitching depth. And we've seen stuff like that before. Joe Madden, I, I think sh- Sure. Right. I don't I don't think so. Um but you know, we we did see Joe Madden did wasn't necessarily shy about doing things that sort of felt like a hey Theo, like are you paying attention type thing? Um and, and, I, and I don't know about that. You'd have to ask David Ross, right? Like, I'm I'm not in the dugout. There's plenty of stuff that Brendan and I don't know. We're not smarter than David Ross. We're not smarter than the front office. It's never meant to suggest that. But my problem here is that after the game, he talked about something that we have talked a ton about, length. We need length. We need to protect the bullpen. You know, we we've had a lot of spot starts. We've had a lot of short starts. We need length at some point. So my issue is why on earth... Is the person you choose to do that with or to push, you know, maybe further than you should, someone who isn't a starting pitcher, right? Like, just so weird. And the answer from Ross was just so weird. It's just like, stock is not a starting pitcher. You had Arietta the night before when he exited after the fifth inning, the Cubs were down four to nothing. He had thrown 77 pitches. Make Arietta wear it, right? Like, why Robert Stock? Robert Stock has not thrown more than 70 pitches. He's not pitched more than four innings. And his velo was down like eight miles an hour when he came back out there and walked a bunch of people really uncompetitively. And so I think.
0: You, even if you don't want Arietta to wear it, then have someone else. Where are those Indians? And it's it's just what start an actual yeah.
1: starter, right? We've seen Zach Davies, Trevor Williams, Jake Arietta get kind of babied in a lot of these outings. And most of the time, because the bullpen has been so good, I've been totally fine with it, right? right? And, you know, especially like Davies is is sort of just now over the re- recent several starts, like really kind of coming into his own and looking more like himself and stuff. And so that's paid off, right? But just such an odd point to choose to do that. Um, And especially like you said, Brendan, when it was a winnable game, like it was three to one when you sent him back out there. And that decision, you know, five to one is still a winnable game, but you pushed it further out of reach. And so it was just, I I didn't like it. I I didn't think that that was well handled. Um, But all in all, it's not that big a deal that, you know, they survived the series. It is what it is. Um, But I, you know, I think, If if we're going to, especially as Ross is, you know, uh, still sort of a quote unquote rookie manager, right? This is his first full season. He hasn't even managed. I'm doing the quick math, but he's not at 162 full games yet. So um I think it's just worthwhile when we've praised him for a lot of the stuff that we've done given him credit for a lot of the stuff that he's done and how he's handled things every now and again to just say hey I didn't think this was great like hopefully this is uh something that he you know looks at and studies which is something that he said he does so yeah he
0: he admits when he's wrong too. Yeah. Uh, so it, it very well could be a learning experience for him it's fun
1: yeah, just just didn't like it. Just didn't think it was uh particularly handled well. And again, just a very odd point and person to decide, hey, tonight's the night we're really gonna like stretch this guy. We need <laughs> yeah. innings. It's like this is a really the reliever. Weird, yeah. Just such an odd place to do this, man. Like I I don't know. But um that's that's that. So Before I guess we move on, I I don't think we're going to have too much on Kyle Hendricks. He was really good again and was able to keep the ball in the ballpark. So that's a good sign. That's obviously something that's plagued him a bit. Um, Just you know alec mills you know was fine and he's back and so hopefully that gives them a little more depth uh in terms of their pitching staff you know i I thought
0: mills was really good actually i I don't have too much detail on that but the the command was awesome i Mm. thought and the breaking pitches looked really good uh heavy usage of the curveball slider that that was the alec mills we saw last year and i know he only went 57 pitches but as he gets extended out and you get more stamina with him that's huge To, to, to have a guy again go multiple innings even out of the bullpen which is a key feature for this team. I don't want to undersell that. What, what Mills did and how he looked was a big deal for me.
1: Yeah, and especially as we're talking about, you know, needing more length, needing more arms yeah. and things like that, you it's know, Mills deal. has big league experience. He's thrown a no-hitter, right? Like and he can give you some solid starts every now and again. So it's it's always good to have those guys uh coming back. I before we move on and what we're going to touch on some guys that are are working their way back. Um, anything on Arietta? Uh, you know, this was just sort of another like meh kind of it's, outing, it's, I guess. It it's, it just yeah. It's it's it's
0: it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of sad. Um, that that that's where I'm at. I if you were listening to the broadcast uh, with with uh, Boog and JD, um, I don't know if it was this one or the one before, but they said that. Jake was expressing an inability to go crossfire anymore. And that sucks because over the last three years, and you and I talked about this, Corey, his release point has been gradually moving away from the third base side to center home plate. And so that means he's becoming like the rest of the league in terms of how he looks to batters. And Arietta was Arietta because he was unique because he displayed features that batters weren't familiar with and now he's becoming like the other type of pitchers and so when you have poor command or yeah I mean his command has been poor let's just call it what it is when you have poor command and you don't look much different than your other competition hitters are going to hit you and that that's what's happening especially when your stuff is not as good and compounding all this, it, it looks as if the sequencing and the location where he's throwing, it's 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 not adapting. It's not looking different. We're not seeing changes. So I as a fan and an outsider looking in, I just you know I still want to caution. Like maybe they are working on stuff, right, that we can't see and he's not comfortable with it at this point. That's definitely a possibility, right? but as a fan, outsider looking in, when you don't see the changes being made and you're not seeing any types of hope that things can be changed, it's it's a it's an unfortunate situation. I don't know what to think of Jake. I I I look, J- Jake is one of my, you know, he he is my favorite Cubs pitcher, right? The attitude, all the features that he showed in 2016 and 2017. You can't help but fall in love with that, but right now we're not seeing that, and it doesn't look as if that's going to normalize for Jake, given his age and his ability to stay healthy and adapt those mechanics that made him successful four years ago. So, the pitching infrastructure is smart. It's not saying I, I'm not saying it can't happen. That Jake can't change and find something that's different. But right now you're not seeing it, right? And it's just an unfortunate situation. And of course, I hope things do change. But right now, I'm not. We're not seeing it. That's really what it is, Corey.
1: Yeah, I. It's it's one of those things where we've talked about this a good bit, and it applies to a lot of people. Where on a different team in a deeper rotation, where you know more guys are. You know, you look at the Mets, right? Like they've got those three guys at the top, giving them you know sub two and a half ERA stuff on an every fifth day basis. Like that's you know not where the Cubs have been for most of this season. And so when you have someone like Arrieta who's giving you shorter starts and a lot of these starts lately, he's walking more guys and he's striking out. The command is all over the place. The results are not great, even if they're not disastrous, right? But it's it's clearly a need on this team and as we've talked about a lot it also threatens one of the biggest strengths on this team which is the bullpen and so that that's not to suggest that any of these guys are out of the rotation or they're done you know i don't know right it's a long season you got you got to take it day by day but it, it does, as we've talked about, it just shines a spotlight on these guys. And at some point, you just need more from these guys. And if they're not able to provide it, you know, on the whole, you have to potentially consider looking elsewhere to get it because you just can't... Like in this series, you know, guys are hurt. It happens. It's, it's a tough stretch. You haven't had too many off days, etc. Like you had two spot starts in in this series alone, in Mills and Robert Stock, you need Arietta to be better than this. You just do. And as I talked about with Davies in the last episode, of course it's not that easy, right? To just say, hey Jake, like you need to be better. Oh, okay, got it, like done. It's not that easy, but that's how it is because then it turns to, okay, well Arietta didn't really get it done for us, you know, only went five, and you know, we can't put that burden now on Alec Mills and Robert Stock, right? Like that doesn't make any sense. So then it all falls on Hendricks, and luckily Hendrix was really good on Thursday. Um but it's it's all just to say that this is clearly the the position of need for this team. And it's gonna be pretty interesting to see how Jed Hoyer uh decides to go about this. So let's uh update on some of those. Uh so Admir Alzali threw a 40-pitch bullpen uh, on Thursday that went, quote, really well, according to David Ross. Uh, So the Cubs, you know, of course, with the blister and the stuff with his finger, going to see how he feels tomorrow and how he responds going forward, Uh, but that is at least progressing in the right direction. On Thursday, Trevor Williams also threw a 25-pitch bullpen. Uh, reports good on that. Justin Steele uh, pitched on Wednesday and is continuing to progress well. So those, uh, you know, that information coming from Tony Andracki of Marquis Sports Network. And so that's good news. So, um, that kind of goes to, you know, obviously you're seeing a lot of spot starts. It's good to have those guys back. Justin Steele was uh, a big part of David Ross and Tommy Haddovey's bullpen plan when he was uh, available before injuring himself. So that is all good news. Also saw Nico Horner out there taking some balls in the field at second base uh, at Citi Field I think earlier on Thursday afternoon no you know still no timeline there but again you know especially when you have the type of injury that Nico had just seeing him get back out there and resuming baseball activities this soon is you know it's a very hopeful thing right when when he first got injured and we took you know like when he's writhing around in pain you're thinking a lot of different things some of them are are bad and so you know we're in mid-June here and he's back out there doing some work and hopefully (laughs) going to be back out there maybe it's you know not next week or the next couple weeks but soon soon-ish right relatively uh, Matt Duffy still working back but that is said at least all the beat writers say that progress is good and you know hopefully he's getting closer I don't know if he'll need a rehab stint probably at this point um, kind of like moriznick and Hayward maybe just a day or two uh, but they're getting there so that's a good point Brendan to kind of transition to what we've been talking about in terms of this stretch and it's worth pointing out mm-hmm. um that the offense has been not good for a good while here and i i thought that a lot of people have 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 said Very this bad. and you know yeah. offered similar thoughts but Sahadev Sharma was the one that i saw on twitter kind of articulate this well so i'm i'm just going to give him credit for for this sort of phrasing of it um but when people were in his mentions kind of freaking out about the offense and how they have not been performing well and you know what they did in this Met series, et cetera. He responded in in saying, like, look, the the key here is we knew this was gonna be a tough stretch. So it's okay if it is, because we knew it and they just have to weather it. But more important than that, what has happened is the offense turned a corner at the beginning of this season when we started to see more of Jake Marisnik. Matt Duffy and Nico Horner in particular. That's not the only reasons that the offense turned a corner, right? Jock was awful in the beginning of the season and he's on a, you know, had been on a heater like a, a that we hadn't seen, right? So there there's more factors than just those three guys. But clearly, the three guys who offered a somewhat different approach made more contact, right? and, you know, brought some speed, some different things to the lineup, and we talked about that a ton, differentiated things, gave some different looks throughout the lineup, clearly made an impact when this team started to go on a run. Marisnik is back, but the other two are not, and Marisnik was out for a good while. So it makes sense that this offense has reverted a bit to looking like when we weren't as sure about it, because some of the, the key cogs that had changed it and, and started that kind of resurgence from them have not been there. And so I don't know when those guys are going to be back. And you have to weather the storm. And you've had guys like Patrick Wisdom in particular, who his performance and all the home runs that he have hit are critical to the Cubs getting through this stretch. I mean, when we look back on this season, Patrick Wisdom coming up however he does for the rest of the season, whether he continues anywhere close to this or totally falls off, th- he will have played a huge role in the success of this team for keeping them afloat in 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 this stretch, right? Already. Right. Um, yeah. But you you have to acknowledge those things when you're panicking or freaking out. And I don't think you should be, right? They're gonna be in first place by themselves by the end of us recording this podcast. So there's no reason to be freaking out. But it's it's just one of those times where it's like, yes, Crazy. the offense is not performing well. They they've been awfully home run dependent over the last, you know, period or so and that's not good. But there's pretty observable and understandable reasons for why this has happened and hopefully those things are going to return. Well, I think you have a
0: good possibility it does return. Once you put Matt Duffy's uh, bat back in the lineup, you get Nico Horner back. Those two guys are among the top hitters on this team in terms of contact rate. So just in the month of May, they were making contact at a 77% rate. That's eighth best in baseball for that stretch, but also better than, of course, like league average at around 75%. So they're making above league average contact when they were healthy and they had all the pieces to the puzzle that David Ross could shuffle around for different matchups that that that's what we can hope to see in the next few weeks once Duffy was out once Nico was out hobby has been dealing with that thumb injury KB of course got hit in the hand Rizzo had back tightness Jock's been dealing with some issues uh, every now and then it's it's been a struggle. Let's I mean that's really what it comes down to is just suboptimal matchups due to injuries as well as facing really good competition. I mean you're facing some quality Padres pitchers. San Francisco has been doing really well this year in the pitching department. You just faced a difficult Mets team. Taiwan Walker. I don't know what the hell happened to him, but he's throwing these heavy rising sinking like.
1: Ironically, sinking kind of reminded yeah. me of uh, Kluber a, little, a bit little bit in 2016, where he's throwing those ones breaking back over, yeah, uh, on the inside corner to left. It's like those rising two seamers. It looks like it's just crazy, and so that's what
0: is happening. You, you you can be freaking out about it. That's fine if that's what you want to do and say, hey, you know, we've seen April, we've seen June. This offense goes through these funks, and I can understand that. But at the same time, like we're seeing. <laughs> We're seeing Eric Sogard play a lot. We're seeing Jason Hayward play a lot. We just saw uh, a back to back to back with Lobaton uh, replacing Wilson Contreras, which is another point. This is for a different podcast, but like we we need to give Wilson some support here. Uh, my my concern yeah. is as the season goes along, as has happened twice now in his past, he's he's gonna wear out his legs, and an injury is a possibility given his history. Got to get a backup catcher is a huge oversight by the front office going into this year so that 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 has to be fixed like maybe as your first move regardless though i'm sitting here and i'm i'm optimistic like you said Corey, you're going
1: to end the night in first place you're going with seven to three rockies over the brewers so i you so, know, is rockies, so is the rockies are the rock so is it over for yeah. sure no oh, okay
0: well we'll see we'll see regardless you're at least tied yeah. for first yeah. place if you're listening to this now just go just go check in the morning. Uh, Anyway, so you're looking at a position, and I'm trying to like think about where we were in February and March talking about this team. You're looking at a position where the average projection was 85 wins for this team in that time period. And we talked about it like, hey, this deviation is like huge. They could win 88 games, and that's what's happening a lot in the simulations. But at the same time, they're like, also only winning like 80 games in some of these simulations it was such a wide range and that was because like it was hard to predict this team but now you factor in what we just saw with wisdom and alcantara and tommy nance and this entire bullpen and keegan thompson and justin Steele. those projections did not account for this but also <laughs> the the sequencing of these guys's performance is happening at a rate where it's picking up kb is picking up Rizzo, is picking up Javi. So you're looking at a position where you're still nine games above 500, and now you're going to enter a stretch that's more favorable because the competition's weaker and you're healthier. This is how you absolutely destroy those projections. And this is how you win 90 plus games with ease. And I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you're in a position where it is very, 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 well within the realm of possibility that happens at this point. And because of that, you have you have to be encouraged and recognize that you have wisdom, you have a country of the bullpen, stepping up at a time that is overall good for the team, but stepping up in a time where it was critical to get through this tough stretch. Corey, I I genuinely believe this team is on pace for well above 90 wins right now. It's just looking at the schedule, looking at the way KB's looked and Javi's returned and Tony's going off with the power and Davies has returned, Kyle looks great, the bullpen hasn't shown any signs of weaknesses. I don't see how unless something dramatic changes where this team is not in the position to win 90 plus, especially getting through this tough stretch with all these guys stepping up at the right time.
1: Yeah, I uh, at least so you're not through this stretch yet. Not I yet. think you're going gonna- to Right. You know, no, I'm not saying yeah. you're saying that, but um, you're going to get, I think, some some uh, guys who have been doing well for the Marlins this weekend. Uh, I'm not sure about that Cleveland series, though I, I know Bieber's out, I think, with an injury. So yeah. at least you won't face him. But then you've got four in LA followed by three in Milwaukee with no off days. So seven straight against those two teams. So that's tough, right? You got to get through the end of this month here. But for now, it's an absolute win. Right, the, 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 how they've navigated this stretch. They've had a ton of guys who have been out, and as I alluded to, three of them in particular now Marisnik is back, but you know, Duffy and Nico like, those were the guys. Like It was all your contact guys, all your guys that offered that kind of different approach that, that changed the lineup a little bit and complemented the stars that you already have who have been performing quite well, mm-hmm. and they're all gone, right? So You've got to get through this stretch, but you no one is running away with this division at the very least, right? In in a different context, if 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 someone had played better, you know, losing three of four here to the Mets, you know, losing that series in San Francisco, you could be looking up at somebody in the division. And you're not, right? You're looking down at everybody. And so you figure at the very least you're going to get additions from within right? With the guys getting healthier, we talked about some of the pitchers, you know, getting healthier and doing their work and working their way back. We know those hitters are working their way back, whatever that timeline is. So at some point, you should be getting additions from within. I don't know what's going to happen at the trade deadline. Obviously, the talk has long since moved on from being absolute sellers or, you know, some whatever, you know, crazy sell-off, right? but what they buy if they buy at all how impactful are any of those moves i don't know but at the very least you have hope that some depth or additions to help the starting rotation and stuff like that can at least be on the table right and so to have if you can get through the rest of this month and still be in first place or right there with, you know, the Brewers, whoever it is, it is a total total win. Yeah. The Brewers schedule gets a lot harder. They have played a lot of teams under 500, and that is not to say, you know, oh, they don't count or whatever. you beat who's on the schedule, right? I've said that about the Cubs many times. But their schedule is going to get harder. The Cubs schedule is going to get easier. You're going to get Uh, that trip out to LA out of the way. You've gotten that trip out to San Diego and San Francisco out of the way. So things clear up a little bit in terms of the rest of the schedule. So just keep pressing on, just get through this point, and you should have a lot of those reinforcements that made the 2021 Cubs kind of who they are Coming back in the nearish, hopefully, future. Yeah,
0: well, that's and that's, go, go, that's going to happen. It's it's not a matter of if it's it's going to happen relatively soon, um, and that should be, I mean, it is for me why I'm so optimistic. And this is not to say that this rough stretch is only caused by injuries, like Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, and Wilson. They're going through a slump right now, right? And it happens for all your good hitters. Bryant, though, you don't know one with the recent injury what that what that had an effect on but also he adapts so he'll be fine for javi is the thumb injuries you know he has some back issues he's been dealing with all year He's looked really good. Also one, we never talked about this. Javi did change something mechanically. and if you look at it, it's very clear. his his batting stance is more open, way, way more uh, relaxed, less flex in that batting stance. And that basically perfectly coincides with uh, his success when he started to go off later in April. So I mean that that's a plus. So I'm thinking that the offense, it's inevitable. Chris Bryant, if healthy, is going to be at an MVP level. Rizzo, he's going gap to gap all over the place. Power going way up. He hit some tanks in New York, one of which should have been a home run in Thursday's game. And also, too, we're not talking about... Jock Peterson has continued to look good. And he got again. Jock has gotten screwed this year on some of these like D fly balls. He got screwed again. I think he hit that ball four hundred and eight feet in New York. That stadium sucks, by the way. Whoever designed that stadium should be should be
1: ashamed. Yeah, oh. him and Rizzo both yeah. uh, really earned a home run on, right. on Thursday for sure. Right. Right. So you look at the lineup and
0: you're thinking I feel pretty good about mostly everyone. Ian Happ right now might be a wild card. His contact rate around seventy percent. Actually, I thought it was worse than that. Seventy percent is pretty good for Ian Happ, but a lot of that contact is coming on outside the zone pitches. Gotta improve that zone contact rate. This is all to say, like top to bottom, I'm feeling good about the lineup. The bullpen still feeling really good. I was a little concerned that the spin rate stuff that we're seeing without the spider attack would affect the Cubs, not really affecting anyone. Like all the Cubs pitchers besides Tommy Nance, their spin rates are actually fine. Nance might be a little bit of a different conversation, but he's still he's still likely okay. So Corey, this, this is how you win 90 plus games. This is why you should be optimistic. And I'm, I'm still feeling it. Just even winning one game in New York, that was big for me. And I think it should be big in everyone's psyche. It seems right now, the way I think about this, more likely that the Cubs are just going to be a contender all the way through and maybe the most competitive team. Um, you know, if the bullpen continues in, in, in the league from a pitching point of view in a short series with that bullpen, it's crazy to think about, but I just feel so optimistic about this team right now.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think it's tough not to. I mean, look, I I hope that in the end... We don't get like that quote from Jed Hoyer where he says, The like,
0: offense was broken.
1: No, well, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, man. I don't need to hear that yeah, again. I know. Um, I'm where sorry. he just becomes Theo Jr., right? Right. Somewhere um,
0: along the line, the offense broke.
1: Right. No. Uh, more that I hope that, you know, when a lot of these guys come back, because there's going to be a flirty of them. And even just the names that we talked about tonight, that's at least five guys, right? right that know. for sure are getting back on the team. Yeah. Um, that we don't get the like, you know, we got these guys back, and that's really as good as a, tra- a big trade at the deadline, right? Because they they need more than that in the rotation. They're going to need more than that. Um. Yeah. So I I hope that there is some sort of addition looming. But it, yeah, I mean, I they they are weathering this storm as best they can. And and again, they're they're not out of it yet. It, it's going to be tough. Like that four gamer in L.A. is going to be tough, right? It always is. It's going to be tough, but. This team has beaten a lot of very good teams, and they have navigated some tough waters in some you know, bad circumstances. A lot of teams have a lot of injuries, but so do the Cubs, and they're winning games and, and maintaining their position in the division while dealing with all of that. So uh, you hope that that all gets better like you said, a lot of the guys are are performing well and that they can just kind of continue on this path and and, and keep on going as the roster hopefully gets healthier and maybe a little bit better, hopefully. Um, The only thing I I would have on the offense, uh, and I I don't want to like dive into this too much uh, because we've talked about this a lot, but I, I do feel like if you and I, uh, especially on Twitter, I think uh, you in particular, Brendan, have uh, yeah. a brand. Um, I, I know. I, even when I talk to my mom on the phone, she mentions that uh, she's a little worried about you every time she it, sees Sogard It was, on it the was field. an
0: unintentional brand build. I didn't mean it. Yeah. Less.
1: I know. Right. Um, but I, I, I do feel like if we're going to go at, at Sogard as hard as we do, deservedly so, he's been a very bad hitter for this team. Bad player. He's not a good defender, or base runner. Um, He sucks. We we have to focus on the guys who have been worse, and we did that when David Bodie had been performing worse, and and, you know after Nico got hurt, there was kind of that conversation of who should be getting this playing time, Um, and so we talked, I think, a little bit about Jason Hayward in the last episode. So I don't want to get into this too much. Uh, I don't think I'm breaking news to most of you, if my read on Cubs Twitter is anything uh, like our listenership. It seems like a lot of people uh, have similar feelings about Hayward at this point, uh, and maybe have for years. I don't know. Um, the only thing I want to say, Brendan, is at the at the moment, after Thursday's game, he's hitting 168 with a 250 on base percentage, a 297 mm. slugging percentage, and a 55 WRC plus, uh, well below, as you guys know, the 100, which is league average. You can't hit him sixth. I know. You just can't. Uh, David Ross, uh, again, like, I really have liked a lot of how he's managed games. I, I, I think there's always stuff to nitpick with managers. They're never perfect. I, I think he's done a really good job. One of the things in particular I think he's done a good job of is, you know, playing matchups and not riding particular guys too much with with no sort of backing to be doing so. And um, you can't hit Hayward six. You cannot have somebody with a 55 WRC plus um, hitting sixth in your lineup. You just can't. And uh, tonight, you know, you had, he he gets a hit. It was a ground ball to the right side, obviously, that somehow the Mets uh, were not shifted to get. Um, but it was a lot of weak contact in the other at-bats. And you had Marisnik and Alcantara hitting behind him It just doesn't make any sense like put if you if you're gonna play him at this point the defense has not rated at the elite level that we have seen in years past so you're not getting that benefit in the same way that you were before and you've got guys who are hitting better y- if you're gonna play him he's got to be hitting it at, at basically in front of the pitcher maybe seventh i guess i could give you um but like you, you brendan you can't have a guy with a 540 ops hitting sixth in your lineup you just can't it, it can't it, it listen, that that can't happen and to your to your point of course like i've been
0: not enthused with seeing sogart play for the cubs and that's not gonna go away um Hay- hayward the thing with Hayward, and you have you have to acknowledge this, and I acknowledge it with Arrieta. We've watched these guys succeed on the Cubs before, and so it truly sucks to see them go through this. You feel for that because you know they contributed in years past, and teammates love love these guys, right? You don't want to see them go through these bad stretches, but you have to be honest with what you see, and just as if, uh, just as we talk about Arrieta, maybe you know. Washed up is not the right word, but he's not the same guy as, as he was even three years ago. The same can be said right now for Jason Hayward. And listen, we we, we talked about his swing, mechanical adjustments, everything, right? And to his credit... He succeeded and he adapted. He was able to turn fastballs, which was his greatest weakness. He saw fastballs 65% of the time in 2016. He was the worst hitter in the league against fastballs. He turned that into a strength. And even in this year, Corey, he has positive run value against fastballs. So in one regards, that's awesome. And maybe it may suggests he can't adapt again. But the problem is he needs to adapt to now sliders. And he's facing 23% sliders, the most in his entire career. He's only seen 50% fastballs, the fewest in his entire career. And he is producing remarkably bad offensive numbers against sliders. And so this is, uh, in terms of like, How many runs he cost the Cubs against sliders? It's almost it's almost seven runs, dude. It's crazy. So it's among the worst in the league. Um, It might be the worst if you take away qualification. So that's an issue for this team because right now it's going to be June 18th. Your trade deadline is six weeks away, and you have to ask yourself the question: As a fan, are you comfortable that Jason Hayward can adapt to sliders in five weeks? And I think the overwhelming answer is no. And because of that, I don't know how you can play him right now, especially given his age and the declining defense, his defensive value in terms of um, outs above average is below league average in the bottom third of the league. I love Jason Hayward. I was so happy to see him have success last year. So happy to see him turn on those fastballs. I I love the guy. Mm -hmm. But we are a contender. He's likely not going to be part of the future and you you, you got to be honest with what you're seeing, Corey.
1: Yeah, again, it, it goes back to something I've said a lot, and probably will continue to say, you, you've got to win on the margins with a team like this, especially when, you know, we're talking about all these starting pitching issues, and there's not much you can do about that, right? You, you, you have the guys you can throw, you can get out of them what you can get out of them, but one thing that you can control is the lineup and those matchups, and when guys are hurt, you know, of course, it's understandable, it is what it is, but uh, lately, like give me wisdom at third and Bryant in the outfield, Alcantara at second, Mariznick in the outfield, Happ in the outfield, Happ at second base. If that's what they want to do, something, right. Corey. You've got to play the higher percentile moves. Right. It, it's it, it you know it sort of reminds me of like basketball and you know taking a a long two in front of the arc, right, and a, a shot that is not really super common anymore because it's a low percentage shot. That's how it feels with Hayward, right? Like, go... Wisdom is not going to hit... Have a 1,200 OPS for the whole season. But right? play good defense but, at the very least as well, man. That's right. the thing, too. But play him while he's hitting bombs, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We've seen this movie from Hayward before. The underlying numbers don't look good. I, you don't have to never play him. But he's playing a lot. And it it, it just doesn't feel like that is maximizing trying to win on those margins go with the higher upside guys go with the guys who are showing you something on a nightly basis you know Alcantara is having to adjust he had a rough strikeout game in this series um, but took a walk on Thursday scorched a ball that Alonzo made a really nice play on like a really incredible play Um, and I I would, I would be deferring to those guys, right. Other than, you know, sort of continuing this thing that we have done over and over and over for a few years now. And again, like you said, to his credit, Jason Hayward's made a lot of adjustments. He's put a lot of work in and he's had stretches where he's been average or above average, you know, obviously was one of the better hitters on the team for the 2020 shortened season. Again, like at this point, so many guys are hurt it's hard to, you know, nail each decision every night. But again, I, I do feel like we're we're sort of doing a disservice if we only focus on uh, Sogard, because, you know, it, it gives the impression that we have some sort of bias against Sogard, and, and we don't. The reason we don't like him is very clear. We've pointed out the numbers a million times. They're really bad in every facet of the game. Um, sub-replacement level, you know, like, that's just how it is. But if we don't you know, just because Hayward's been a member of this team longer or Bodie's been a member of this team longer and we have kind of a more personal connection to them, we still got to talk about these guys. Just like Arietta. Like, you guys, like, you, like, Brendan is over there heartbroken, you guys, talking b- having these conversations about Arietta. But we have, like, we have to have them, right? We can't just, like, focus on, on one person. So I, I, I don't want, you know, we've talked about Hayward a lot in the last five years or however many episodes we've done but uh yeah that that's just where it is and it it only gets brought up because it sort of seems like David Ross is i don't know like late to getting on that or you know trying to like turn things going. around yeah. and stuff like that and and as we've said like on a different team just like the rotation like a different team a deeper team you can hide these things like yeah. it, you're just not really able to do that on and and you shouldn't be doing that especially with how tight this division is You got to put the best eight guys on the lineup uh, every night and really try to maximize every single game and every single pitching matchup. And Hayward hitting, you know, fifth or sixth or seventh is not doing that for me at the moment.
0: Right. And when you go through
1: your bullpen um, in multiple
0: innings and you're taking out your starters in the fourth and fifth inning, it directly conflicts with those moves because you're in, in one sense, you're... Putting forth a lot of stress in your pitching staff to win these games, but you're decreasing the likelihood of winning those games by playing, you know, Sogard and and, and Jason Hayward. So you got it. You got to pick a lane here. And I understood the process in 2016. Hayward was going to be on this team at that time, and he has been for eight years. So I get it now. We saw Brennan Davis destroy Double A tonight. By the way, Hayward's not part of this future, and so what? What? What are? You, what are we doing here? Why are we waiting? So what is? What is? What is the the point of of this? Is kind of my my question to to David Ross. I at this point, Corey, I just don't see how you can play Jason Hayward at all. I to be quite honest with you, I don't see it. I I really don't. And maybe there's some opportunity that pops up for him if an injury happens. God forbid an injury happens, but maybe there's an opportunity for him to turn it around. Uh, maybe he gets some pinch hit appearances and he figures out how to hit sliders that way, but you're not doing that for me when you're in first place and you're throwing Keegan Thompson in the fourth inning and you're pushing Robert Stock in the, fit in the fourth inning to get through these starts when you're in first place. It just can't happen for me. All right, we got a three-game set against the miami marlins so that first game is going to be friday Corey, a wrigley friday game starting at 705 like that's like what are we doing here usually those are all uh afternoon games anyway that starts at 705 we have no pitcher announced for miami but we do have zach davies on the mound for the cubs on the year this is crazy to me but on the year he's four and three with a 4.01 era um yeah good, good good for him he's turning it around on saturday we have a 1 p.m start time so this is your trademark wrigley summer afternoon game probably going to be a nice beautiful uh, blue sunny day with pat hughes describing the weather we have pablo lopez on the mound for the marlins pablo lopez on the years two and four with a 3.12 era for the cubs It will be Jake Arrieta, uh, 5-7, a 5.14 ERA, and then it finished off this three-game set. Marlins have also not announced a starter for Sunday, so they're trying to piece together their rotation, but the Cubs do have Alec Mills going back out there for a second consecutive start. Alec on the year, a little uh, inflated numbers, not really representative of how he's looked lately, but on the year, he's 2-1 with a 6.11 ERA. Mills, again, threw 57 pitches in this last outing uh, through all of his pitches, you know, your sinker, your changeup, your breaking pitches, that slow, slow, slow curveball. So we're looking to see Al continue maybe to take the next step and go a little bit deeper beyond 60, 70 pitches. And that's the state of this team right now. We need length out of this rotation. We need Mills to go deep. We need, we we need, I, I need Arrieta to, to to give me some confidence, I need five. I need six innings from Arietta, dude. um If he goes five, so be it. But like that would be awesome if he goes out there, command is sharp. Even though he's not going to throw a crossfire, he's still locating that sinker, still locating that cutter, maybe showcasing those curves, which is kind of a saving grace for Jake this year. His curveball movement is more so than it was when he was with Philadelphia. So maybe more curveballs is the answer for you know 35 year old Jake Arietta at, at this point. Yeah! Uh, wow. Okay. So uh, San Diego just blew a game to Cincinnati. So that's 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 lovely. Um, they were up two nothing. San Diego was in the ninth inning, and they just gave up uh, what appears to be two home runs. So they are now losing to the Reds four to two. So as it stands now, and then just update this in the morning when you're when you're listening to this. But uh, as it stands now, the Cubs are uh, possibly one game up. Or tied with Milwaukee, uh, it's it's likely that it's going to be uh, one game up, given that it's the seventh inning against the Brewers Rockies game, and they're losing to the Rockies three to four, or sorry, uh, th- what is this uh, three to seven. To check on that. And then if the Reds do win, they'll be two games back of the Cubs. If they lose, they'll be three games back of the Cubs. Cardinals are 35 and 34. They're four games back. They got a little bit of a nice stretch here in their latest series. The Pirates suck. They always will suck. They're 23 and 24, 15 games back. Their season's over, they're doing this as they used to do all this all, all the time, um, and there's no light at the end of the tunnel for Pittsburgh the way it should be. But at least win when you play some of these division games. So, for me, Corey, um, you know I mentioned it, but Jake go deep, Alec Mills beyond 60 pitches, KB healthy, Javi thumb looks great, continuing to hit uh, bombs out there. Wilson, I want to see a little bit more pop. Um, And then just monitor where we are with Duffy, where we are with Nico. I'm sure we're going to get more reports about Adber this series before the next episode and how he feels with that blister. Uh, Same thing with uh, Trevor Williams. And keep it going. Nine games up, first place, positive variance, getting some fortunate luck at this point and feel good. Vibes are still strong.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's it. Just keep trying to get healthier. Um, You know, hopefully some of these guys in the rotation can step up a little bit and take some of that pressure off the bullpen. Cubs have been really good at home. So, you know, they they obviously have to keep doing that. You know, you've dropped a couple of these uh, four-game series on the road. Tough series, so no shame in that. But, you know, the way to counterbalance that is to continue uh, kicking butt there at Wrigley Field, which the Cubs have done, and hopefully they can continue to do uh, not only in this weekend series with the Marlins, but in those couple games to start next week against Cleveland. So I think that is uh, all that we have for you this evening, uh, they are now through the 8th in Colorado, 7-3. So hopefully, uh, I don't even know who. Is it still Wade Davis? I don't know who closes for the Rockies at this point, but hopefully we don't get any nonsense there. No I'm no Brewers devil magic that, there. And then the Cubs uh, can... I assume they're, they're still flying back from New York or they're back in Chicago right now. But either way, hopefully they can rest their heads on their pillows tonight uh, alone in first place as we get ready for Friday night baseball at Wrigley I Field. Know, I, know. I, love, I love, right, as you know, I mean, of course I do, the Friday 120 games. There's nothing like it. Um, this is the only Friday night game of the year, and I'm kind of into it, right? You won a year little change it up a little bit should be a fun atmosphere at wrigley field especially you know we're not uh, too many games into the 100 percent capacity thing so uh looking forward to it as you know it's it's a one-off thing so should be fun and you know again hopefully the cubs can continue their winning ways at Wrigley Field uh, and maybe create a little more distance in in their their hopefully first place lead when you guys wake up on Friday morning. So as always, thank you guys for listening to and supporting the Cubs Related Podcast. We appreciate it very much. We will talk to you on Sunday after the Cubs finish up with the Miami Marlins. And as always, go Cubs!